the intersection of Christian thought and Christian living is God's standard of holiness. It's time to stop avoiding issues and talk about where we stack up after asking some hard questions. We are encountering Christ through conversation. This is the Amos 77 Project. Welcome to another edition of the Amos 77 Project. I'm Jimmy, and for the next few minutes, I'll be your guide while we navigate the corridors of Christian thought. I have a confession to make. I sat on this one for a few days before recording it. I wanted to make sure that the subject matter we're going to discuss is exactly what God wanted me to communicate. To me, it first seemed really basic, almost condescending when I first wrote it out. After some time in prayer, I decided to leave it as it is. I think in our society today is a foregone conclusion that most everybody knows who Jesus Christ is. This is entirely a not true statement. Romans chapter 10 verse 14 says this, How can people call on him if they've not believed in him? How can they believe in him if they've not heard his message? How can they hear if no one tells the good news? To call yourself a Christian means you've confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior, not just wished it in your mind or made it a passing thought. You must communicate it out loud. This is what confess means. No one can hear your declaration if you say it silently in your mind. Then comes an evidence of a changed life. Being a Christian is like being pregnant. Either you are or you're not. There are no technical associations. If you're not sure, you have an eternity to be wrong. As we begin, let's do an activity together. I promise there's a point to all of this and it won't just be an exercise in futility. Just work with me. Find a comfortable place to sit and for the next little while, I want you to close your eyes. If you're driving, you might want to pay attention to the road and do this part later, but follow along the best you can. Got your eyes closed? Okay. Now, clear your mind for the next few minutes and focus on what I'm about to say. This exercise is going to illustrate a point. I want you to remember the last time you were lied to, not some small, annoying lie that did not amount to anything. All lies are bad. I'm talking about the kind of lie that someone told you that when the truth was finally revealed, you felt betrayed by it and humiliated. Okay, you got it? Maybe it was because of infidelity. Maybe it was over money. Maybe it was because someone used you to better themselves. You may not even know the reason. I want you to remember the way you felt when you discovered the lie. Was it sadness? Betrayal? Anger? How about disbelief? Remember how you felt when you found out that other people knew the truth the whole time and they said nothing to you? Not even one word? Open your eyes. Do you remember the altered state of reality you felt like you lived in? Nothing seemed real and it was your life that seemed like the lie. Did that event shape your view of the world and the people in it? Maybe even you put it out of your mind. And maybe you've even forgiven the people that were involved. But you think about it sometimes. Did that moment impact the decisions that you make now? It may even still be a painful part of you, but it didn't make you skeptical, or did it make you wiser about what you see and hear? Did it make you more vigilant about where your information comes from? Okay, 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 enough with the 50 questions. Let's shift gears a little bit. Imagine you're on your way to heaven. You've just passed from this life into the next one. As you're coming into heaven, Your senses are overwhelmed at all the sights and the sounds. I mean, the sights and the sounds are truly indescribable. The beauty of heaven leaves you awestruck. It is more than you've ever heard and then some. The singing of the angels, the sounds of praise, the whole scene has you in sensory overload. 
In your mind, you tell yourself, I'm here. I finally made it. You immediately start thinking about all the people you're going to be reunited with. Your mom, your dad, maybe a favorite grandma or grandpa, an aunt, an uncle, or a best friend. That somebody special that you've not laid eyes on in a long, long time. Not to mention, you feel better than you've ever felt in your whole life. Suddenly, he comes into view. And you know the he that I'm talking about. It's Jesus, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, standing there in all of his majesty. You can see the scars on his forehead from the crown of thorns. You notice the wounds from the nails in his hands. Angels are singing. People are kneeling. Other people are throwing crowns at his feet. The sounds of praise and worship coming at you from all directions produces a thundering wave that passes through your body. You're escorted closer and closer until you're standing face to face with the God of the universe. He appears powerful but elegant and stunning all at the same time. You are so filled with joy. At that moment, you behold the God of the universe that you have heard about. You have may have heard stories about him. You may have heard songs sang about him. But right now, he's right in front of you. This very moment, your eyes are transfixed on his face, and you don't even recognize the attention that's focused on you right now. Something is wrong, though, as happy as you feel at that moment. His face is sad, almost but not quite. Is it stern? Those eyes of his, they're so piercing, so beautiful, but you feel like they're laser beams cutting right through you, right into your core. The body you felt so much strength in moments ago is overwhelmed with weakness, and now you feel as if you can barely stand. What's happening? What's going on? You feel overwhelmed with emotions of a sadness and shame and guilt. It moves over you wave upon wave. The loving eyes that once enthralled you now embarrass you. You want to turn and look away, but you can't because your eyes are riveted upon his face, his eyes, his mouth. You wait awkwardly for what feels like an eternity for him to say something, do something, anything. Another voice shatters the atmosphere, has the sound of thunder as it echoes across heaven. Everything shakes under your feet as the voice booms out the question, What about this one? While your gaze is locked with his, you're immediately filled with horror and disbelief when he says, I don't know this one. They're not mine. Immediately you know he's right with the knowledge that sweeps over you. You're angry, you're confused, bitter, and filled with despair. There must be some mistake. Certainly through some technicality that you're not aware of, Something, somebody, somewhere must speak for your defense. Did you just think that, or did you just say it out loud? Jesus just stands there with you under his piercing gaze. No, this one never belonged to me. I never knew them. Take them from my sight. You're crushed. This is not a dream. This is really happening. You want to be angry at Jesus, but no matter how hard you try right now, all you can be angry about is how mad you are at yourself. Your mind is racing and you start to think about what is responsible and who is responsible for what's happening to you. You went to church. You did good to people. You did what you thought was important. Why is this happening? How could you have been this deceived? A giant angel takes you by the arm and begins to lead you away. The lasting scenes of heaven that are seared into your mind before you spend forever in hell are the scenes of splendors of worship. The one thing that haunts you the most are the eyes of Christ and the look on his face when he said he did not know you. Stop. Wait a minute, Jimmy. You are being really dramatic. Can it really happen like that? Yes, it was kind of dramatic. And yes, it can really happen like that. Jesus is the one who will judge all things, and all power has been given to him to pass judgment. He's the image of the invisible God. He created all things in heaven and on earth. 
both the visible and the invisible. Everything has been created through him and for him. Jesus existed before everything and holds everything together. He is the beginning, the first to come back to life, so that he would have first place in everything. God was pleased to have all of himself live in Christ. God was also pleased to bring everything on earth and in heaven back to himself through Christ. He did this by making peace through Christ's blood, sacrifice on the cross. This is why it's so important to acknowledge Jesus as God. What if I told you right now there's a bigger deception at work that claims tens of thousands of souls every day? What if I told you that you could prevent or even stop this deception from happening to you or to someone you love? The scenario I just described to you plays itself out thousands of times every day. There's a war going on for your soul. Satan is a deceiver of epic proportions. He has convinced the world that accepting Christ is a take-it-or-leave-it proposition. He does this by convincing you that God is not who he says he is, and God does not mean what he says he means. And this has been happening for centuries. Satan is called a thief and a murderer and the father of lies. Satan is directly opposed to everything God has created, and that includes you. God esteems man over all his other creations, and this makes Satan angry. Satan can't read your mind. He can't be everywhere. He's not that powerful. With the use of demonic spirits, he gets you with the power of suggestion. He convinces people that the whole Jesus, God, heaven thing is a fairy tale and a lie, a fable created by a bunch of con artists, that evil exists and is just a part of life. Then there's nothing to look forward to except what you can hold in your hands. Have you ever heard anything about Jesus or the things he's done and you immediately doubted if it was true? Think about it for a minute. To willfully go into eternity without Christ is one of the most dangerous mindsets a person can have. There are no good people in heaven, only sinners saved by grace and bought with the blood of the Lamb. Heaven is real. God is real. Jesus is real. Hell is real. And demons are real. There's one verse in the Bible that illustrates this idea clearly. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, he will see God's constant anger. God is righteous and just and cannot tolerate sin. The price of sin has always been blood. Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Heaven is important because there's life after this one is over. Life just doesn't end. There's a continuation of being that lies beyond the human existence. Christ is necessary to live in that continuation of peace. Not to know him means you are eternally separated in another existence, a forgotten place, a place of torment and pain, and a place called hell. Jesus came to earth because sin overwhelmed it. Jesus was born of a virgin by the Holy Spirit. Jesus led a sinless life. He was crucified and died on a cross, bearing the sin of the world. He was buried in a tomb and he was raised from the dead on the third day. He was seen in the flesh after his resurrection. Jesus ascended to heaven with a crowd of people watching. Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. One day he's coming again for his people, and he will judge and rule and reign on earth forever. Okay, Jimmy, you just rattled off a whole bunch of facts. Why are you telling me all of this? This is the gospel. This is what you have to know in order to get into heaven, and you have to believe all of it. You can't believe part of it, you have to believe all of it. God desires a relationship with you. 
Because sin came into the world, man is eternally separated from God. Jesus came to close the gap by dying for you on the cross and shedding his blood. He did it because this thing called sin separates you from God. There is a supernatural peace that you can possess. There is a hope greater than anything you've ever dreamed of. You can walk in victory over life. No matter your background, no matter your situation, no matter what you've done, you don't even have to be a part of a special family. Jesus Christ is necessary to experience it. All that is necessary for us to receive Christ and all of his promises is to verbally confess that you believe in him. This is called salvation. From there, you work to live a holy life and work to live a changed life by following the things he taught. We're faced with a churchy dilemma right now. Our walls we call our church denominations have kept us separate from each other. It's time we come out from behind the walls and embrace the lost. I'm not advocating to dissolve our institutions of worship. I don't want to do away with it. If you're a Baptist, be a good representative of your base. Same thing with Methodists, Pentecostals, or other Christian churches. We need the corporate body of Christ to help with outreach and to make use of resources. For example, I can't fund a soup kitchen or pay for a missionary to go overseas on my own. But my giving pulled with that with the body of Christ called the church we can minister to thousands. In the meantime, we are to work by ministering to each other. We are to walk with one another, encourage one another, and help one another. We are not making a clear distinction in the things that really matter, and this is leaving people in a take-it-or-leave-it attitude when it comes to Christ. In my conversations with people, I am learning why we are losing people we are trying to disciple. In one conversation I had with someone, we talked about their church. They told me they frequently leave church on Sundays feeling like they have not been churched enough, like a large part of what they're supposed to be getting has been left out or missing. It seemed to them that it, meaning church, was all about the money. This is their words, not mine. Another person told me that they were made to go to the church until they were old enough not to go. They told me they heard the same things over and over, which was one, not enough to make them stay, two, they didn't feel it was important to life, and three, it didn't emphasize the need for faith. Simply put, church didn't tell them much. They could not confidently tell me what they felt like was missing or why it should really matter. What I took away from these conversations is that they were with two different people from two different places at two different times that told me the same exact thing. Christ was not preached or taught and that there were no eternal consequences explained to them about making a clear distinction about accepting Christ. This is very scary and incredibly sad. With the freedom we enjoy in this country, there's no excuse for our churches to be this negligent. No matter what church we come from, our message should still be that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the only revelation that we should be building our churches on. Jesus is God. Do you remember our activity earlier? Those feelings of betrayal made you feel like your life was a lie. You did not know who to turn to or who to trust. This is exactly what it will feel like when you go into eternity without Jesus. You will feel lied to. At the time, there will not be anything that you can do about it. It will be too late. You must be sure beyond a doubt. It is a tough decision sometimes to make drastic changes to your life. But there's no time like the present. If you doubt, that's okay. There's a community of people who want to help you. All you must do is take the first step and that is to ask Christ to come into your life. Ask him out loud, and mean it with all of your heart. Don't let the deceiver lead you into any more lies. 
once you embrace the truth, your eyes will truly be open for the very first time. Becoming a Christian does not make you weak, nor does it free you from every problem. I can promise it will not be easy. Jesus gives you strength and wisdom to deal with the things in life. You'll make mistakes, and when I say you will make mistakes, you're going to make a lot of them. Just keep going. Like any relationship you start, good communication is key to keeping it strong. The difference in this relationship is that Jesus will never lie to you. You will hear his voice in the words that you read in the Bible. You have no idea what is waiting for you on the other side. No one does. I can tell you that if you put your trust in Jesus all the way to the end, it will be more wonderful than you can ever imagine. This is something I can promise. Time is not our friend. Christ is coming back one day and we must be ready. So, I can hear you say that you've heard all of this before. You may have. True. It's been the message for a very long time. It does not change the need to be ready. The reason for your readiness is because he may not come to you, but you may go to him. I read that about 150,000 people die every day. Countless souls step beyond the veil of life into eternity unprepared. At a moment's notice, everything you know can change in the blink of an eye. I want you to be holy, and I want you to be ready. If you've never taken the opportunity to invite Christ to be part of your life, now is the perfect time. You have everything you need to know to make a logical, spiritual decision about where you want to spend eternity. If you don't know where you will go if you died right after listening to this podcast, it's time to make sure that you know. Luke chapter 15 verse 7, Jesus says that he guarantees that there will be more happiness in heaven over one person who turns to God and changes the way he thinks and acts than over 99 people who already turn to God and have his approval. Basically what that's saying, friend, is that when a person repents and turns to Jesus Christ, there's a party in heaven. Let that celebration be about you. Recently, a friend of mine named Maria Forn stepped beyond the veil of life into eternity to stand before an awesome and a mighty God. Right now, she knows infinitely more about Jesus Christ than we will ever know. This podcast is dedicated to her memory. Thanks for listening to the Amos 77 Project. We pray that you were informed and empowered by what was said. Please like and share. Leave a comment or contact us at amos77.project at gmail.com.